brand over coffee conversations are with different experts and inspiring individuals. They may be different in what they do, but they all share one thing in common. They all create, develop, and nurture brands. These conversations will highlight not only their expertise, but also their experiences. And I hope these could help answer some of your questions and inspire you to build your own brands and take your businesses to greater heights. My name is Andrea Ferry, founder of the Creative Brand Studio and your host for this podcast. When you're ready, let's talk brand over coffee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brand Over Coffee Conversations. In today's episode, we will explore the world of startups. What does it take to found a startup? What are the challenges in founding and what should one consider when scaling up? I am so happy to be joined by my guest who is calling all the way from Ghana. Olivia Asedu Antao is the co-founder and COO of Scale Up Africa. Prior to this, Olivia was a seasoned brand builder who has done work in Europe and Africa. Hi, Olivia. How are you? Hi, Andrea. I'm good. Thank you. This is amazing. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Hope you are well. (laughs) Yes, and hope you are too. Okay, so Liv, to start, maybe you can share what you do and what Scale Up Africa is about. Sure. Absolutely. So as, as you said, my name is Olivia Asiedunto. I'm in Accra, Ghana. Um, and I set up Scale Up Africa with my co-partner, Amma Jampo, um, about a year and a half ago. Um, and basically, Scale Up Africa is a business-to-business business development agency that works with foundations, big corporations, and philanthropists in essence being their implementation partners to support the growth of SMEs in Africa. So in essence, what we do is we work with big corporations who might already have an innovation hub or already have a sustainability plan in terms of how they're able to impact and give back to a number of different um, facets of their business. So in essence, what we're trying to achieve is we know there's a number of SMEs who, within Africa anyway, are not necessarily equipped with the right sort of tools, skills, partners, collaborators to help them scale. So, and they also don't necessarily have the finance to be able to use what we're trying to achieve, which is to help as many SMEs scale. So we're basically throwing the, the gauntlet, if you like, to big corporations because they started off from SME space. And to say that as part of their sustainability plan and their sustainability efforts, in order to have a much more kind of thought out idea or impact in terms of what they're trying to achieve within their sustainability, it's all well and good kind of ticking the boxes. But actually, let's work together, let's collaborate together in being able to put together a program to support as many SMEs in Africa for the, to help them scale. Because the one thing that we noticed, myself and Emma noticed when we both moved back to Ghana about eight years ago was there are a number of opportunities for SMEs that are not necessarily met, be it there's a whole host of issues that they're facing. However, if we're able to collaborate with the corporations and say, look, let's try and help you actually pull together a program which will encompass capacity building, analysis of their business. Are they even scalable? Is the business thriving? And if so, what are some of the tools and, and things that they're going to need to be able to scale their businesses up? So we're pretty much a conduit in terms of pulling together all of our expertise, 
all of our partners, because we have enterprise partners all around Africa who actually support in terms of the training, the development, the analysis, you name it, every single area that a business needs in order to grow. We have partners all around Africa that are able to support us of these SMEs scale and grow. So in essence, Scale Up Africa is a conduit of, in a sense, assisting and working with the big corporations so that they're also able to showcase impacts from their sustainability goals and plans by assisting and helping them develop a, a program that will assist the SMEs scale and grow. So that's kind of the space that we're in right now. Amazing. We know that the real work really starts after the founding, right? The success is when you're able to really maximize the business potential of your company. So it's amazing what you guys are doing that it's not just, you know, okay, you founded the startup, that's it. But really to make sure that they're able to scale up, right? So Liv, the past decade, we have seen the rise of startups from Airbnb to Uber. We have witnessed how they accelerated their growth to becoming some of the world's most successful companies. And their success, of course, has inspired a lot to also follow that path. But what does it really take to found a startup? I mean, what are some of the important considerations one needs to note when deciding to found his or her own startup? Okay, so I am going to place myself and my business partner in this space in terms of some of the things that we thought about in terms of starting up a business and maybe some of the non-negotiables that you need to start to think about before you start up a business. It seems absolutely glamorous and amazing when you read about the success stories of some of these startups and how well they've done. But I don't think many people take the time to really delve in to find out some of the low points as well. So it's worth definitely sharing. And, and I think this is what we're trying to do at Scale Up Africa as well, is sharing the full story, warts and all. It seems great when you've made it and, you know, you've hit that one million mark and a big corporation has come and bought your business and, you know, you're thriving. But the path to get to that stage is extremely difficult. And it's, it can also be quite lonely, but nobody is seeming to share that kind of intel. And so when you start your business as an entrepreneur, you're super excited about the end goal, the end goal, which is great. You have to keep that at the back of your mind, but also understand that there's a bit of a journey and there's certain things that need to be that's in place in terms of your non-negotiable. So a few things that we thought about was what is our purpose and what is our plan? What are we trying to solve? What are we trying to achieve? And it can either come from a monetary or a financial point stance or from a social enterprise stance. You just need to be really clear in terms of what your purpose is and also kind of figuring out your strategy in terms of what are your short-term, medium-term and long-term goals and is your business scalable? I think when you first start of your business, you don't necessarily think, is it going to be scalable? You're thinking, okay, how can I make money in the short term? Or what kind of opportunities can I bring on board? Or what am I trying to solve? Which is fine. But I think in order for you to be sustainable in the longer term, you've got to start thinking, okay, in the short term, how do we get from A to B? In the medium term, how do we get from B to Q or whatever else? And then start to kind of mold your strategy around that. And also just be as open for changes because nothing's ever straightforward or will ever be in a straight line. The other area which we thought of as well, which I think a lot of businesses are starting to, you know, understand and kind of take that on board is your brand. You know, the look and feel, the identity, how do you want people to see you? How do you want to be represented? What do you want people to feel about your brand when they see you, speak to you? That whole thing needs not just be about your logo. And I think we're starting to see that transition because of COVID where people or 
brands are starting to think outside of not just being, I'm not just my logo. I am what I say, how I say it. I'm about the services that I give or about the integrity of who I am as an individual that represents itself in my brand. I'm about the personality of the organization. And you're starting to see that people are starting to understand it. Back in the day when people set up companies, you know, that kind of was the back of their minds, but it wasn't something that was solidified in how the business was going to be able to run. The other side of it as well, which for me is probably the most important part, is your team. When you're starting off a business, you know, there's barely any money. There's no finance. You know, you're asking your family, your parents, whomever to support you. So having the right team with you from the start who have the same vision, who have the same drive, who are able to prop you up when you're not able to give 110% is super important. So when myself and my business partner came together, we've known each other probably about three years. And we've kind of been, you know, talking about the issues and, and the purpose of what Scale Up Africa could be. But it was only until we actually sat down and said, okay, where do you envisage this business going? What can you bring to the table? What can I bring to the table? And we had to be really honest, you know, in terms of there are certain areas that I lack that she could actually have help and really boost up. I'm very much a kind of an operational implementation type of individual where, you know, if I understand what the big vision is, if I understand what the purpose is, I know exactly how to implement it. My business plan is very much around blue sky thinking, very strategic. And so we gel really well. And it's not saying that I wouldn't like to do the strategic part of it, but I know my limitations and I know that I still need to build that side of things. So having a partner that actually adds value to who you are as an individual and what you're trying to achieve and vice versa is it's phenomenal. I mean, there's that famous saying, teamwork makes the dream work. And I can't emphasize that enough because that's exactly what that needs to be. You need to have the right members on your team who have the same vision, who have the same kind of understanding in terms of where you are trying to take this business to. And I think when people set up their business in the first, in the beginning, it's very much about, this is my baby. I don't want to share it. I don't want anybody else to have anything to do with it. But you're, you're kind of just limiting yourself with all the expertise and the benefits you get from somebody else being on board and giving you their perspective as to how you can maneuver the terrain that you're in. Um, the other really important part is knowing your customer. I can't stress this enough. There are a number of businesses that we've worked with and they set up the business because it was exciting. It was kind of a hobby and they turned it into a business and they carried on doing that. So they were doing okay, but it got to a stage where, you know, their particular target audience that they thought they were targeting were actually not their target audience. And so the business started to kind of fumble a little bit. So I can't stress enough kind of the importance of knowing who your customer is. I mean, in advertising, having worked in advertising for so many years, we used to do this thing called um, a pen portrait. So whatever product or service you're selling, we had to map out who is that one individual trying to sell to. What is he? Is, is he a he or a she? Where do they live? You know, what is their family life like? Where do they work? Their income? All of those really interesting things. So you're really able to hone in of who it is you're speaking to. And you're able to do better targeting. You're able to understand the segmentation of these groups of people and understand their needs and wants so you're able to meet it. So for me, that was a major, major part of um, some of some of the non-negotiables when it comes to setting up your business. Like you have to know your customer. I mean, these are the people that are going to put food on your table. So you need to know who they are and what they want and how you can service them. Um, and I think the other really important part, and I think I touched on it very briefly, is around funding. When you start off your business, literally it's, I mean, it's getting better now. It's getting a lot better now in terms of funding companies and angel investors, venture capitalists. It's all great. But when you start off, 
in order for them to come on board to say, okay, we're interested in investing in your business, you need to be able to really embrace what your purpose is. And in order to do that, you've got to put your money where your mouth is. And so what myself and Amma did was we invested a little bit of our own money and said, we believe in what we're trying to do. And people buy into people that they like and they buy into partners or co-founders who have this vision or have this kind of like zeal for to say, we believe in what we're doing so much so that we put a little bit of our own money in to kick us off. And I'll be honest, I mean, family members have been amazing in giving us little monies here and there, giving us their time, giving us their ears, their shoulders. And I think explore those areas first, for sure. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going directly in for an investor off the bat, but I think in order to prove that actually you believe in what you're doing, put your own money in first, but clearly do the work, do the research, understand your strategy, build your brand, create something. It doesn't have to be a full-blown brand, you know, um, brand book or anything such as that, but understand the absolute bare essentials of the business you're trying to build, have a great team behind you, know who your customer is, understand who your competitors are and say, okay, this is the direction of the business that we're going in. And then put a bit of money in and then just start slow and build up, start slow. I think we're always in a rush to get from zero to billionaire, but we're not kind of taking our time to really go through that process because it also builds builds character, it builds strength, you know, and just grow from this. I think for us, and I think for a lot of um, companies out there, these are some of the non-negotiables from our point of view as partners who have recently started a business that we can see the scalability of it. Um, No pun intended, being called Scale Up Africa. That's in essence kind of where we see kind of some of the areas that most startups or most founders of businesses need to start looking at. I think what also influences a lot into thinking that creating a startup could not be that hard is because, you know, we see the, as what we've discussed earlier, we see the glamour side of having the Uber, having the Airbnb, having all these like successful startups, but we don't really understand all the hard work that goes into that, right? So my question is, well, Liv, when does one know that the startup is onto something great? Enough maybe for you to quit your job? or everything you have in it, you know, or invest yourself, whatever savings you have? I think that's a very interesting question. I think a lot of people don't necessarily know. You can't necessarily kind of pinpoint to say, okay, this is the right time for us to be able to scale. But I think if you're able to just dial it back um, and before you set up your business, I mean, there needs to be a lot of due diligence done before you set up the business. You go, okay, we're going to go and just start earning our first million. There needs to be a lot that you need to put, you know, you need to have your ducks in a row, in essence. So one thing that we did was to look at the terrain in terms of what is the current state of play in the space that we want to be working in. So working in Africa, I've never worked in Africa before until I moved back eight years ago, saying the same thing with my partner. We were both kind of working in Europe where systems work (laughs) and um, things kind of just, they just flowed really well. But we're now in a new country or on the continent where not everything is as straightforward as it is. There are certain issues around policy. There's certain issues around talent. There's certain issues around, you know, so many issues, but also there are so much opportunity. So we wanted to just concentrate on the opportunities, but also understand why a number of companies who have tried to do what we're doing haven't necessarily been able to take off. And just understanding that. So we did a lot of conversations with people. We were very open and saying, look, 
we're trying to be able to create a platform where a lot of SMEs can scale and grow. Why are they not able to scale and grow? And asking the right questions with the right people. So speaking to people maybe within that space and saying, what have you found that is interesting within this space that is maybe not necessarily translating into growth? What are some of these areas that we need to start looking at? How can we drill deeper and find out, okay, what is that one thing that we can possibly change? And you can't change everything. And we have to be very, very strict with ourselves to say, we want to save everybody, not save everybody. We want to help everybody. We want to be able to get as many SMEs to scale and everything else. But then we have to dial it back and just say, why are they not scaling? And at the end of the day, when we'd spoken to thousands of people, we actually realized that a number of these SMEs had a scalable business, but they didn't have the scale up mindset. So as much as they all said, okay, we really want to be millionaires and everything else, they didn't really think about all the responsibility that came with that. So then, okay, we're now, okay, great. Now we understand that you want to scale. However, you don't necessarily have a scale up mindset. So there had to be a lot of education around that. There had to be a lot of capacity building around that. There was also a number of SMEs who just thought, I'm happy earning what I'm earning right now. I don't want to scale. I'm comfortable in the space that I am. That's absolutely fine. We left them to it. So just really being very honest with yourself and also speaking to the right people and finding out where are the problems? Why are they not scaling? And at the grassroots of it, it's just like, actually, they want to scale. They just don't know how or they don't, they don't necessarily have the support that they need in order to scale. And so we have to be really pragmatic and really practical and saying even basic things like, have you registered your business? For me, I, I was completely dumbfounded by the fact that You've been running a business for two years and you haven't registered What? Um, and assisting them with that. And then looking at some practical things such as how you fill in your tax form. A number of these SMEs had been filling their tax form in a way where they were being taxed in ridiculous amounts of money. So just saying we have an enterprise partner going to be able to sit you down and show you how you fill it in because there are certain tax breaks that you were not even aware of. And just sharing that information. So there were some really practical things around your business diagnostics in terms of how you're running your business. Are you running it to the best um, capacity of what your business could potentially do? And one really interesting question that I think you brought up in, in one of your other podcasts is, if you went out of business tomorrow, who would miss you and why? Yeah. And I must admit, when we asked this question to a number of SMEs, they all sat back and thought, actually, we don't think we would be missed. I'm like, wait, there's no point being in business then. Or um, just rethink about the reason to why you're in business. And if you're no longer in business, would there be a bit of a black hole? And if there isn't, you need to re-strategize and figure out what it is that you want to really bring to the table. But on the other side as well is, as much as a lot of, a number of SMEs want to scale and grow, and I think this, this happens globally, there's a, a huge dependency on finding amazing talent. And especially on the continent, there are amazing talents. But there isn't one space or one place or a conduit that's able to plug in and find these amazing talents and say, look, there are these amazing SMEs who are looking for great people to come assist and work with them, but how do you find them? That is in itself something that Scale Up Africa has actually taken on board to say we're going to be able to be that country where we're actually plugging in and finding amazing talents, both in the diaspora and on the continent, who are looking, but they don't know where to go because there isn't a place for them to all congregate and say, I'm interested in this, this is my talent skill, et cetera, et cetera. And just collaborating and helping them find the best SMEs to help those SMEs scale and grow. Um, at the same time, it's also looking at business processes. If you're setting up a business and it gets to a stage where 
your process is heavily dependent on human capital, it's not sustainable. So what kinds of tech-enabled platforms can you use to be able to automate it? So an example would be one of the SMEs that we're working with, they're an accounting firm, um, and we worked with them to be able to plug in a tech SME that were able to build platforms so that all of the accounting systems was automated so that they didn't necessarily have to have hundreds of people trying to get clients sending invoice, just some really basic things. And that really propelled them in terms of how much more market share they were able to carve out because, you know, their systems were quicker. They were able to get more clients on board because everything was automated and things such as that would really help the business scale and grow in a much more conducive and much more faster rate than if they had a hundred people trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So definitely kind of knowing that what you have, there's an opportunity for it to be tech enabled, for it to be able to be scalable and grow. But again, as I keep saying, and keep dialing back to, you need to be really honest about your business and to yourself in terms of, is this something that is actually scalable? And a lot of SMEs would say, yes, it's definitely scalable. But then once you do the business diagnostics, you're like, well, actually. And these are conversations that I think you need to be honest with yourself to have before you start thinking about scaling up, it's getting your mindset right. Are you ready for the extra responsibility that's going to come on board? You know, because as much as you're saying you're going to get lots more capital, you're going to have your cash flow is going to be buoyant and great. There are also problems with maybe customers complaining. There are, you know, problems with your products not being up to par or your service not being up to par. So all of these things need to be set in place before you start to think, okay, we're now ready to be able to scale. Two other areas I'll I'll touch on very briefly is mentorship. I think a lot of people think, oh, it's my idea. If I I get somebody on board to bounce ideas, they might steal it. Yeah, they might steal it, of course. But on the flip side, if you're able to bring somebody on board that's able to guide your business and has been in that space for a much longer time and then can give you the warts and all in terms of success, failures and everything else, that really helps guide your strategy in terms of, okay, I'm taking advice from a learned person that has been in it for much longer than I have. And they're giving me, you know, the full thing, what's and all, good and bad and everything else involved. So you're able to make good decisions based off that. Um, And then, of course, there's also partnerships and collaboration. I think that's a major part, which we're now seeing because of the situation we're currently in with with this pandemic, where a number of companies are thinking, we can't do this on our own or um, because of the pandemic, you know, we're stuck in one area. So we're seeing that within Ghana ourselves with certain brands who maybe are in the food industry because restaurants have closed down or anything else. And they're partnering up with, we call them um, go-carders. So they're basically bikes that deliver food and it, it's like a delivery service. Mm-hmm. So they partner with them to be able to, instead of coming to the restaurant, we partner with this delivery service where we can bring the food to you in your home, which is brilliant. So there's a lot of these kind of interesting collaborations and partnerships going on. And I think once you're able to really solidify in terms of understanding your business diagnostics, understanding the processes, how it can be tech enabled, but also looking at working with somebody that's been in the industry for a long time as a mentor to help guide you, then you're able to see beyond your own circle and say, how am I able to pivot in order to scale my business? What kind of partnerships and collaborations can I get involved in to be able to scale my business? It really kind of helps you understand fully where your business could potentially go to. And I think some of these are some of the areas that we kind of looked at in terms of when we're speaking to SMEs who are very interested in scaling up, they think they have all the pieces of the puzzle to do Then We're like, okay, let's take you through this process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of how we've done it. And, that, and we're doing that for our own selves as well. Yeah. 
Very interesting. I mean, these are all very important points that you raised, but what really struck me is having this scale-up mindset. Because at the end of the day, is what you said, it's really the culture that you build within your team, within your organization as well. If you do have this scale-up mindset, this scale-up culture, then things would be, of course, things would still be hard, but you know, it would still be much easier if you have that in place within your organization, right? This culture and mindset to scale up. Um, Liv, a lot also forget that branding, as what you said, goes beyond the logo, the catchy tagline, social media content. I always say this is just like the icing to the cake, right? You know, what we see in the surface. But if you really understand the power of branding, you would know that it is also the reason why the cake underneath the icing tastes good and is baked to perfection. You know, so I think branding encompasses everything that you have in your startup. So from product development to ensuring that there's product market fit, as what you said earlier, to the culture that you are building within your startup, to even how your email is written or your presentation is packaged. All these are part of the branding that you are trying to create. I want to ask Liv, is branding also an important consideration for investors when they come into the picture? like the kind of brand that the startup has? Absolutely. But I think they probably look at it from a slightly different point of view. So exactly as what you said in terms of the branding needs to live beyond just the logo. And investors kind of buy into the people. So you're right. If you're creating a brand, it's not just about kind of looking at the logo. How does that kind of permeate through every single thing you do within the organization? So it looks at how um, you all work well together what your vision is, if your mindset is pretty much in the same line, how do you communicate with each other? Because people that are going to give you money are people that are interested in the people within your organization. So if you've already created your brand guide, your identity, your look and feel and all that kind of stuff, that's brilliant. As you said, it's the icing on the cake, but it's now actually bringing that whole essence to life through your people, through how you communicate, through how you deal with customers, through how you solve problems. And that's what the investors are going to buy into. Sure, they'll definitely look at your brand and and, and say, it looks great, it's consistent. But at the heart of it, how are you living and breathing it? How are you bringing it to life? Are you actually bringing it to life? You're saying all of these amazing things to your customers, but when you have a problem or a customer is annoyed about your service, How do you then bring that brand essence to life through that in a way where you're being consistent, you're being true to it, you're being as open-minded about how you want to bring your brand to life? So as much as they don't necessarily, or I wouldn't wouldn't say that they're not necessarily interested in how your, your brand looks, but they're more interested in how your brand feels. They're more interested in how you know, you're making your your stakeholders feel, be it your suppliers, your customers, your employees, all of that. Because in essence, if people admire you and your stakeholders are with you, they're through thick and thin, of course, I'm going to try and lend you a million dollars because I know that I'm going to get my return on investment back because you're ticking all the right boxes. You're saying the right things. You're doing the right things. You're living and breathing your brand. And that's exactly what investors are looking at. They're also kind of now looking at in terms of consistency. So back in the day when kind of investors were looking to invest in organizations, I don't think brand was a a, a big deal or we wouldn't call it branding. We would call it, you know, how are you, what are your processes? How are you building your business? But that's all part of the brand because that's the personality of who you are and how you're engaging. And so now that I think we're all getting very savvy with the brand word and the brand essence and the attributes and all that kind of thing, 
now they're kind of thinking, oh yeah, we should really start looking at how they look and how they feel. But a lot of it is around how you bring it to life. And if they can feel that and they, and they can see it and they can get feedback from your stakeholders and they can tick all the boxes and say, you look right, you sound right, people love you because of your vision and your purpose, then of course I'm going to lend you the money because if you're keeping your stakeholders happy, I'm going to get my money back twofold. So I think definitely investors are also, you know, definitely looking at your brand, but in a slightly different way in terms of how it makes the stakeholders feel and what the stakeholders are giving back to the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agree, agree. Um, Okay, so Liv, what about tips for startup founders or those aspiring to be one? What would be your tips? Oh, wow. Okay, so I think my tips, I'll, I'll maybe fit it into kind of do's and don'ts. So I think a few things, and I'm going to speak from a place of experience because we're in that space mm-hmm. right now, um, would be be open to collaboration. I mean, I keep harping on about collaboration, but it's such a big part of being able to get your business from A to B because you can't do it all by yourself. There's so many different facets and elements of running a business that if you said, I'm going to put it all on my shoulders, I'm going to do it all by myself, you're going to crash and burn because there's a lot involved in running a business. So I think be open to collaboration um, and you know, don't be scared to fail. And I think a lot of businesses kind of, because there isn't enough narrative out there about, oh, I tried a billion times and I failed, but I'm only going to talk to you about the one time I tried and I won. And I think just be open to the fact that not everything is a straight line. Success is not a straight line. It never has and it never will be. So just be open to failing. And failing doesn't necessarily mean that's it, I'm done. It just means you're getting closer to a yes. If you've had lots of no's and you fail a couple of times, you're getting closer to a yes. And you can start to re-strategize and be more flexible in terms of how your strategy should work. And I think for us, when we started Scale Up, we were very kind of very single-minded. This is how the strategy is going to be. We're going to do our incubation thing. We're going to get as many SMEs on board. And then COVID hit. And we had to literally just sit back and think, okay, we need to relook at the strategy and pivot. How do you pivot in a sense where you're still being true to the purpose and the cause of what you're trying to achieve, but taking into consideration the terrain, the environment, the people and all of those things. And it's a tough thing to do. If your mindset is not ready for that, you will crash and burn. Because I think this isn't the first business that I set up. This is probably my third. And from all the failures that I've had, I've kind of brought all of those understanding to this and thought, okay, even if we fail in the first year or two, that is that doesn't mean that's it, we're done. We just need to re-strategize and figure out why we failed, learn from it, move on, and just carry on going. But if you don't have the right mindset or the right people around you to almost be your cheerleaders. I mean, my mom, my dad, cheerleaders every single day, every single day. So you need those people around you in order to kind of be there to let you know that it's not going to be easy, but we're here for you. And also having like a sounding board. I'm like, the biggest thing that I would appreciate is all the roles and the jobs that I've had both in Europe and in Ghana. I keep in touch with absolutely every single individual because I'm nosy. But in essence, it's about knowing that your network is your network. Seriously, my dad used to say this to me all the time. I was just like, I don't know what you mean. Like, just stop speaking in riddles. Like, what is this? Until you get to the point where you're scrolling through your phone, you're like, oh, I know this chap and he does X, Y, Z. And we need somebody to help us do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's reach out to him. So literally your network is your network. Mm -hmm. And so... It's that also just being genuine in terms of building long-term relationships and knowing that you're not building a relationship because saying, oh, at some point down, I'm going to need you to do this. No, it, it goes both ways. It goes both ways in terms of what I said before about collaboration. 
And especially now in the situation we're in with, with, with this pandemic, it's all about collaboration and it's all about building those relationships because you can't necessarily, you know, do it all on your own. But at the same time, because of we're in the 21st century, technology has now is, is just blown up to such an amazing point that you can reach the people that you need to reach. Um, the world is getting smaller. People are kind of open and more collaborative right now. Take advantage of that and really embrace that whole building that relationship because it's not just about them helping you, but it's also vice versa. You're helping each other. But I think at the same time, as I mentioned before, it's having that plan and, and having that mindset to be flexible within that plan. I'm a Capricorn and I'm very straight down the middle. When things change, I hate it. I don't like change. I really don't. I'll be honest. I abhor change. <laughs> but I've had to learn that change happens every single day. The, probably the most consistent thing in the world is change. So you just have to be open to things moving, shifting and being flexible and seeing and thinking outside of the box. It really challenges you as an individual. If you're not used to doing that, it is something that will challenge you every single day. And yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's not nice. Yes, it will make you sweat. However, it's building you up and making you a much better leader in the long run, because all of these things you can impart onto your team. They can impart onto customers. You can impart onto as many stakeholders as, as you want, but you need to be able to go through that process of learning how to be flexible and learning how to take change, bring change on board in a way where it doesn't swallow you up, but you're able to kind of maneuver yourself around it and figure out how it's going to be able to support what you're trying to do moving forward. And I think the biggest thing also is having some time to reflect and focus. I know as a business owner, you tend to just work however many long hours do you want because you've got a vision and you want to bring it bring it forward. But if you're not, in terms of your own healthcare, in terms of your own mental health, you need to have that, take that time out, step back. And as much as I'm preaching it, I find it extremely hard to do that. Because I could be sleeping at 3 a.m. I'll bolt up, I'm like, oh, we could do this. And I open the computer and I'm like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> and you have to take that step back because... You can end up working 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life and you will burn yourself out. And I'm trying to learn that every single day to just have short breaks, have short breaks. I mean, I have nanny naps at, at sort of 12 noon. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go have a little nap now, refresh and come back again. Yeah. And I have to force myself to do that. But I think as an individual or an entrepreneur starting this journey, you've got to give yourself that time and space to just breathe. Go for a little walk, step away. Because it refocuses. It definitely refocuses you because it's it's a lonely journey, I'll admit. It's a lonely journey. And if people don't understand your vision or what you're trying to achieve, you could be in it by yourself for a long time, crying into your pillow. But I think taking that time out, collaborating, having a sounding board, have a plan that is flexible, be open to change. Don't be scared of failing because it just keeps, you know, keeps you getting closer to that win. You just have to keep on going. Um and just looking at sort of not wanting to do everything by yourself because you can't, you really can't. And being open to getting advice, getting help. It's a difficult thing to do when you're a bit of a control freak, that's what I am. But um, it is something that I learn every single day. And it's a process. It really is a process. So in essence, that's kind of the journey that myself and Emma have been on and the journey that I've been on setting up this business with her. Yeah, yeah. I always say... It could be easy to say you want to be an entrepreneur, but to stay one is a decision you have to make every day because it's a roller coaster ride. 
you know, you have a lot of highs the same way that you have a lot of downs. So it's really, as what you said, you know, really having this mindset. I think that's what's going to push you to keep moving. And for my last question, Liv, we have spoken about the different challenges of founding a startup. What about your joy? What has been the biggest joy that you have while doing Scale Up Africa? Um, It's actually a really simple one. It's literally, we get up every day and we show up. That's it. (laughs) It's as basic as that because everything else is, it's a bonus. You know, winning projects, getting people to understand the vision of what we're trying to do, getting people who are championing what we're trying to do, um, having big corporations see the benefits of what we're trying to achieve. But I think for me personally, it's actually been being consistent. So even when I wake up, I'm like, I don't feel like doing this. I'm just like, let's just take a breath. And just going through that process and just showing up. And that for me over the last two years has been my biggest high with Scale Up Africa because I won't lie, I I get bored very easily. Um, I get, you know, the moment I get bad news, I'm like, that's it, I don't want to do it anymore. But over the last two years, because I truly believe in what we're trying to achieve and I truly believe that what we're doing is going to have such a massive impact way down the line, my biggest thing right now is just showing up. It's showing up and making a small difference every single day because I'm very much the kind of person that sees the end goal and I don't really bother about the actual process and getting there. Mm-hmm. But I've had to force myself to just say, enjoy the process because this is the biggest learning curve you will ever go through. And just showing up every day, every day it's like, okay, I made it. And it's five o'clock, I'm like, I did it, I did it. Even if I'm able to tick off two things on my to-do list and there's about a billion of them, I try my best not to get so ground down on semantics or so ground down in, I have 700 things to do in the next three days. Oh, how am I going to do this? And it's just showing and just doing the little thing you can do every single day because it literally, it starts to grow and it creates impact. Um, and if you give yourself that space and you give yourself you, you kind of, you know, you're a human being. That there, There'll be times when you feel like doing nothing. Take that time because there'll be times when you'll be so switched on, literally, you'll even forget to sleep. When those times happen, don't do that too often. But when the time comes when you're literally just like, today I actually just feel like just sitting and reading. There'll be days when I know I have to deliver a whole bunch of different things, but my mind is not in that space. My mindset is not there. And there's no point doing it because the quality of work will be poor. I take that time And I'm just grateful that today till today, I'm continuously growing in that space of take the time, show up, take the time, every single day, just show up, just show up. And it it really has kind of been a gradual thing because as I said, I'm very much end goal kind of person. That's me, very much end goal. But over the last two years, it's been a case of no, every single day, do something little that feeds into the end goal. However little it is, it will still, you know, give you that little bit of a boost. And so it's just for me, the biggest high has been learning to show up every single day. And it might seem like such a little thing, but knowing who I am as an individual, it has been the biggest high for me up to date. Like every day when I wake up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and do something that's going to impact the bigger picture. And even if it is two things or one thing, I do and I'm like, I've done it. And that, that boosts you up, that boosts your morale up, that boosts your system up. Because as I said, being an entrepreneur, it's it's a very lonely space. And so you've got to find ways and means where you're able to boost your soul, your mind, your body up um, and just show up, just show up. 
Love it. Amazing, Liv. So as we end, I also just want to share my takeaway from our conversation. We said it. We see a lot of startups like Uber and Airbnb grow so fast over the past decade. And a lot, of course, have been inspired to also start their own business journey. And we see a lot of support being given that founding is so much easier these days, right? But as we have discussed today, it takes a lot of hard work to ensure that the startup you have would make a sound investment or business. The product has to work. There should be a fit in the market. The team that you're building should be able to collaborate and work together. You should be able to successfully market not only to your investors, but ultimately to customers who will purchase your products and services. And marketing a startup is tough. It won't be easy. Budgets are limited, but it is critical that as you obsess with your product at the start, you should also obsess just as much with the brand that you're trying to create. Because it is only with having a strong brand that will not only help differentiate you versus competition, but would ultimately equip you better to scale up. On that note, Olivia, thank you, thank you so much. That was such a wonderful conversation. I I am so inspired. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I think we all need to do more of this and actually just share our stories and share our narratives because it's, it's not easy, but I think the highs outweigh the lows. So thank you so much for this platform to be able to share. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you as well. Have a good day in Ghana. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoy listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Please do not forget to share your reviews and help spread the love on social media by tagging hashtag BrandOverCoffee. For questions, comments, and topic suggestions, you may reach me on Instagram at andreaa.ferry. Thank you for listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations. Music